Gresham College Presents The Port of London and Its Future by Dr Catherine Riggs. So how many of you are aware that the largest tonnage ever handled in the Port of London was more than 50 years ago? This alludes to what you said, Tim. It was 50 years ago. It was 61 million tonnes in 1964. I'm Catherine Riggs, and the past year and a half I've been working on the Thames Vision Project at the Ports of London Authority. Previous to that, I spent four years as, the head of strate- as head of strategy at the Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs. What I'm going to take you through is a vision or a dream um, of the River Thames and convince you that the heyday of the port, and indeed the river, isn't in the past, but actually is in the future. So my thanks very much to Professor Tim Connell for inviting me today. I note that that mine is at the end of a series of Maritime London lectures that's looked at the changing relationship between the city and the river. And I think you've heard talks going as far back as to the Bronze Age, through the Roman times, to sail and sea. So I'm going to touch a little bit on that history, because obviously history is important to know where we are today. And then I'm going to talk about the port and the river in the present, and then look for the future and look to that vision for the next 20 years. Thames to London and it's a subject equally close to my heart. I've worked on the river at at the Port of London Authority and I've lived by the river for mm, the last 20 years and indeed only this morning I walked along the beautiful towpath at West London to get here. So very much um, part part of my working and personal life. And indeed through nearly half a million years of history since it was diverted on its current course during the Ice Ages the River Thames has sustained the development of the city from its nascence as Londonium through its evolving forms into the city it is today. And indeed, this, this picture here shows the Port of London in Tudor times. The River Thames has been central to London's evolution, shaping its communities and underpinning its economy. And I've got two sets of slides to illustrate that. These slides focus on the 1930s, so the port of the empire with busy wharves in the heart of London. And the one on your left shows some of the exotic things that were traded. So on the left, you can see ostrich feathers, which I don't think we quite see so much nowadays. Um, Barrels of rum from um, West India docks and Australian apples um, shipped in as early as 1966. We also see um, prime ministerial interests. So we've got Ramsay MacDonald opening the Tilbury passenger um, landing stage in 1930. And we've also got a fantastic picture emulating the port's importance during the war years. The far left, again, shows um, the port in 1964. So at the zenith, this was when the, the tonnage was the highest it's ever been. And this is a picture of the Royal Docks. We've also got, um, below that, containers of canned fruit being shipped in as early as 1966. And another um, reference to the importance in terms of prime ministers, I think this is a fantastic picture, centrally, of the cranes bowing as part of Winston Churchill's um, funeral in 1965. And then, of course, as the port evolved, containerisation was brought in, the move to bigger ships and the movement of the port away from the port of London and central London downstream. And you can see at the bottom that photograph of the enclosed docks of London closing down, and then the far right, the picture of London Docklands being transformed from a port 
to um, residential and business area. But I'm here to talk about the vision, the present and the future, so let's get on and talk about that. This is the document that we launched in July that emulates the Thames vision. Now, the Thames vision is a 20-year view of the river's future, developed and to be delivered by the Port of London Authority and by a whole wealth of stakeholders, and I'll talk about many of those, um, but I hope that many of you in the room will, will feel very much a stakeholder too. And the reason the Port of London's um, leading this is, is part of our role as a trust port, because as, as well as being responsible for the Port of London, we have a responsibility to hand on the tidal Thames in a better condition to succeeding generations. So the vision encapsulates both of those roles. Essentially, the vision is to make the most of the Thames' potential for the benefit, benefit of all. It's the first of its time. We've, we, we have London plans, but we've never had a Thames plan before. Um, and this is a vision that sets out a plan from the whole 95 miles of the river from Teddington all the way through to the North Sea. And our aim is to have the value of the Thames better understood and its potential realised over the next 20 years. There's enormous opportunities for growth on and alongside the Thames, from transporting people and goods to providing a blue space alongside the green space of London, a blue space for sport, recreation and culture. Now, I'm going to start by talking about the context of the vision and then I'll go through, go through the six goals we've, we've got. And in terms of context, we're looking at the growth of London, we're looking at the Thames Tideway Tunnel, uh, we're looking at climate change and above all we're looking at improving safety on the river. So firstly, um, growth of London. The Thames vision comes at a time of unprecedented growth. Um, the capital's population is today 8.5 million and it's expected to rise to 10 million by 2035 and up to 11 million by 2050. They're figures, but in reality it means a Birmingham and then another Birmingham, and it, it, it's enormous. And you'll see from the bottom graph, which is the publication of City in the East, that the majority of that new housing and development is planned to be along the river. So it's a real opportunity to get it right in terms of what development looks like and how we use the river in the future, particularly in Barking, Bexley, Greenwich, Havering, Newham... Newham and Tower Hamlets. So there's a real opportunity for significant new housing, commercial space, infrastructure, and that will frame what the Thames is like over the next 20 years and beyond. The new Mayor of London set out in his manifesto, and, and we saw, saw it in the um, publication made a couple of weeks ago, the vital role that River Thames plays in London's economy, the movement of its freight and passengers, and, and above all, for the well-being of all Londoners. And he's recently published plans for new crossings that very much fit within this, um, this viewpoint. And we'll look forward to the Mayor's Transport Strategy, which um, will be published next year. And as well as that, I'm sure many of you know that Lord Heseltine's leading a 2050 Thames Estuary Growth Commission, looking at the potential of this area connected. Um, and that was launched in um, the 2016 budget. And also the National Infrastructure Commission's looking to it. So there's enormous um, opportunity to consider in an integrated way the river and the land by the Thames for transport, recreation, environment and above all well-being. I mean, our, our view is that development of the strategic transport network needs to meet the needs of the growing city and the wider region. And that means 
investment in river crossings, but ones that take full regard to the importance of the river as a navigational waterway, which is enshrined in common law. So in other words, we think we need to be looking at a whole range of crossings, including ferries, um, as announced by the Mayor recently, to create destination points along the river, to draw people to the river, as well as tunnels, as well as bridges. And similarly, the response to housing should be not to close off the opportunity to develop for um, cargo handling facilities to provide opportunities for sustainable movement of goods, and I'll, I'll talk a bit more about that later on. So in our view, we think the last wave of the Docklands development really didn't make the most of the riverside location. It was at the river, but it didn't make the most of the riverside locations. This time, we'd really like to see developments such as at Battersea Power Station at the moment, where we've got 20,000 new homes being built along the river and at the same time, there's going to be a river bus service provided and the river's been used to transport the building materials to build Battersea Power Station. Similarly, at Fulham Reach, further upriver, there's a new community sports centre being built as part of that development. So we think there's real opportunity to do things differently this time. So that's the first context. The, sec- the second one um, is, is the Thames Tideway Tunnel, um, which is the biggest single investment in water and sewage investment since Balzati's Victorian Victorian scheme created uh, the London embankments in the 19th century. I mean, it's enormous. It's a £4 billion investment, and it'll have a transformative effect on the river. When it's fully in operation, the river will be the cleanest it's been since the Industrial Revolution. And at the same time... It's, um, it's a really good example of using the river to take those goods off, off the roads by transporting up to 8 million tonnes of spoil and construction material all by river and not on road. Uh, the diagram shows um, Balzati's um, original sewage plan um, in eight, 1860, which was planned for 2 million, um, built for 2 million and planned for 4 million. Um, well, we've already passed 2014 with a population of 8 million um, so uh, Tideway is planning for that, for that all for that 16 million figure. Now the third the third context is um, climate change, the world's cli- changing climate as greenhouse gases continue to accumulate in the atmosphere. Over the next 20 years, we expect continued global warming, sea level rise, significant changes in the UK weather patterns, and more extreme weather events. Of course, we have the Thames um, the Thames Barrier. Um, within the framework of the 20-year vision, that, uh, the predictions are that, that it will serve its course a lot longer than that. Um, but it's something that we're conscious of. It's, part of, it's part of the vision, and there will need to be continuing investment both in hard and soft defences um, along the whole of the Thames estuary to protect both people and property. Um, the, f- the photograph on the right shows um, before the, um, the Thames barrier um, and, and this used to be a frequent occurrence of, of flooding um, in London. Now, my final context slide is about safety, and an underlying assumption throughout the vision for the future is that growing river use has to be achieved with ever um, higher levels of safety. So we, as a Port of London Authority, work with ship and terminal operators, the Marine and Coast Guard Agency, mm-hmm. RNLI and emergency services to do that. Um, and we do that in a number of ways, including what, what these are showing, some posters um, and leaflets and training to um, improve safety guidance, such as the 
um, Riverside Code and the, and the rowing code of practice um, that we launched last year. So turning on to the vision and what we think about the future, um, as I said, there's enormous opportunities for growth on alongside the River Thames. The river supports 40,000 jobs in the ports, logistics and transport sectors, generating £4 billion pounds worth of gross, um, gross value added a year. And in addition, there's 99,000 jobs from the tourism industry. And if you put those figures in context, and we think, think of all of the um, talk about the third runway at Heathrow, the Howard Commission um, stated that Heathrow would create 70,000 jobs every year by 2050. So the, the comparison is interesting in terms of the amount of talk there is about the um, potential growth of the Thames. So our vision is that by 2035, we'll see greater use of the Thames in all aspects, from port trade to passenger transport, sport and recreation and cultural enjoyment. And we've got six, six goals, and, and I'll, go th- I'll, go through them with, um, I'll go through them all um, with more emphasis um, on the port, given, given the maritime, maritime nature of this lecture series. So, Port of London, our goal is more trade, more jobs. And the goal, and the ultimate goal, is that the Port of London will be the busiest it's ever, it's ever been. Already, the port is the second biggest in the UK. And, um, well, I'm sure you're all familiar, it's on the doorstep of London and the South East, but they are the Europe's biggest metropolitan consumer markets. Some 96% of UK imports and exports by volume come in or leave by sea. So the ports are really essential part of UK infrastructure. At the Port of London, we have 70, yes, 70 independently run terminals. So there's a perception that there isn't a port anymore. But it's just that the port isn't right in the centre, so we don't see it. There are 70 terminals um, along the River Thames, providing life essentials of food, fuel, building materials and household goods. And here are some of them. Um, so we've got the multi-purpose port of Tilbury, which is on the bottom left, and that um, does containerised goods, roll-on, roll-off, and bulk commodities. And um, above it is a vessel called the Grimaldi, which is which is really modern and the sort of vessels that are now going into the port of Tilbury. At the top right is London Gateway, which is a specialised container port. And below in the middle, because uh, we, we, like, we like big ships um, the Port of London, um, there's a picture of the Barzan, um, which called into, the, um, uh, into London Gateway. And that's 400 metres long. It's the largest ever container ship we've had on the River Thames. And to give you an idea of how big it is, if you put the 20-foot containers and line them up end-to-end, it would be what's on there is 70 miles long. I mean, it, it's really helpful, I think, because when you stand by, it's really hard to conceptually see how enormous they are. As, as well as those, there are several oil storage containers, so Navigator, Shell, Newstar, Esso, Calo, which serve um, London and the South East, the majority of the fuel. We've got terminals handling building materials with well-known operators such as Semex, Hanson, Tarmac, Brett Aggregates and others. And then the specialist terminals, such as Tate and Lyle at Silvertown, which is bottom right, um, and Ford's Engine Making and Logistics Hub at Dagenham. So a, re- a real variety and a real, real um, selection of p- uh, port terminals on which London and the South East rely. 
So in terms of the figures, the port handled 45 million tonnes of goods and materials in 2015. We've commissioned um, a, a body called Stamford Research Group to undertake some forecasts looking, um, looking in the future with a range from low, medium to high. And looking at the medium and the high forecasts, both of those would exceed that 1964 10-inch figure of 61 million, in other words, be, being the biggest port ever. So how do we, how do we get there? Well, for, for all of our six goals, we've got a whole series of um, actions, actions both for us and for a whole range of organisations. Um, in essence, there's, there's three main ones for the port. One is about sustaining private sector investment, and there's some £2.5 billion worth of, of port investment already happening or planned. Secondly, it's about improving rail and road access to port operations and terminals, including more Thames crossing. So it's about the port being viewed as part of the infrastructure rather than, rather than a separate entity. And thirdly, it's, it, for the Port of London Authority, it's about providing a, and supporting a commercially attractive port by improving nav navigational access to the port and by providing efficient, effective and sustainable harbour and pilotage services. And an illustration of our investment is that in 2015 we invested in the London Titan, which is the biggest investment in a vessel the PLA has made in the last 20 years. And on top of that, we also invested in a Maplin, uh, um, a new vessel called the Maplin, which is now uh, we're now using, which is a now um, a new state-of-the-art hydrography vessel. Okay, so I'm going to move on to inland freight. Um, simple goal here: get more goods off the road onto the river. Um, straightforward, but has be, it has got has got some challenges. Already, the River Thames is the busiest inland waterway in the UK, but there's real potential for it to be busier. The volumes have already reached a record of 5.5 million tonnes in terms of goods transported, and largely that's been for major infrastructure projects using the river rather than roads. So think of Blackfriars Bridge uh, with the Thames Link improvement or Crossrail. Now, the Thames and the, and the wharves are critical to that supply of construction materials, spoil, household waste <laughs> and vegetable oils being transported along the river. And by doing this efficiently and effectively, we can, we can use the river more and more. Indeed, 50% of all of London's aggregate supply comes from marine dredged aggregates which are transported along the river. So at the moment, most of the goods on the river are from construction projects, either moving out construction and, and um, excavation waste or bringing in construction material by river. Uh, and an example of this is the recently started excavation works at Northern Line Extension in Battersea, which transports 600,000 tonnes of waste to Tilbury in Essex, removing 40,000 lorry journeys by road and preventing 2,000 tonnes of carbon emissions. So really, really substantial. So there's a really strong environmental case for using the tidal river to transport goods, because every 1,000 tonne barge on the river takes up to 100 lorry movements off the road. So benefits being, obviously, reducing congestion on the roads with benefits for safety, particularly for cyclists and pedestrians. And also, it's an environmentally sustainable option, um, one barge is estimated to produce about one-third of the greenhouse gas emissions per kilo compared to equivalent journey by lorry. So with the strong demand for new development and the resultant pressures on land in London, it's more important than ever that we protect those wharves so that we can use them both now and in the future to transport goods along the river 
for construction, but also thinking about other things as well. You saw earlier Tilbury and um, London Gateway. With them, there's a growth in logistic parks and, and regional distribution centres on the banks of the Thames to the east. And it really makes sense to look at potential for transporting more of the goods that come in by sea along the river to, to this largest consumer market in the UK. And that might involve some consolidation centres, and it might mean different sorts of deliveries than construction, looking at supermarkets and, and more domestic um, markets. And, and that's something we're exploring at the moment. So how will the goal of getting more goods off roads onto the river be achieved? Well, these, these are our goals, and in essence, there's two of them. One is about championing the Thames as the default choice for moving spoil and material from the infrastructure projects along the river. And then the other one, the one that we're really pushing, is about driving the underlining intraport freight on the river, so waste, construction, cargo, and maybe other domestic markets later on. And it's that second one that we've, we've set as our, um, the goal with, with the figure on, because that's the one we think will really make that step change in how we use the river. Okay, moving now on to the third one, which is about passenger transport. And our goal here is to double the number of people who travel by river. And already a lot of people do, but we want to get it even bigger. So, um, you know, the Thames is an iconic piece of the capital's passenger transport infrastructure. It adds transport capacity, but also brings something else, um, both for residents and, and tourists, and makes it an attractive part of the offer of London. In 2015, there were 10.3 million passengers, uh, passenger journeys, and that continues a growth of more than 150% over the last decade, pushed very strongly by the previous mayor, but equally, pushed, equally is being pushed by the current mayor. This year, there's been um, uh, an awareness campaign by Transport for London, who we're working really closely with, called Open at London by Boat. But, uh, but equally, there's been a much bigger breadth of offer. So now there's 23 piers at which you can travel from and to, from Putney to Woolwich Arsenal. Um, there's an enhanced service, for example, at Putney. There's two new vessels um, that now travel from Putney to Blackfriars, um, a, a route I personally benefit from and there's and there's a there's a lot more as well and a lot more more coming up you hear about in total there's been two billion in total two billion pounds of gdp is generated by tourism on the wards adjacent to the thames banks and that's something like 23 million visitor trips to that that we've managed to estimate along the thames of which about five million have a direct maritime connection whether it's cutty sark or the hms belfast So lots of attractions and, and set with that a demand for river commuter transport set to grow um, because of population growth close to the river, as we saw earlier. So increasing demand on top of that for leisure services, for example, for new destinations close to the Thames. And some of you might be, might be aware of the proposed London Paramount theme park that's being planned for Swanscombe Peninsula and Kent. And the plan is that you'll be able to go there by river. Um, as well as using the boat to go to venues such as the O2 for concerts. So a real way of looking differently about how we, how we travel. And similar to that, the picture right in the bottom left is um, a picture, because uh, we like boats, um, a picture of the Viking Star, which is the biggest ever cruise ship that's come into central London. It came in in 2015 um, and is recognised as the cleanest cr cruise ship afloat. 
there's some £68 million worth of investment in passenger and cruise-related services over the next five years. So potential for growth and, and investment happening as well. And in terms of achieving those, those goals for more people travelling by river, it'll be through the development and implementation of long-term peer strategy with peers potentially from Putney all the way to Barking Riverside. Looking at WASH, which I haven't really talked about, but a busier river means more people pressure on WASH. So we're looking at that as well. And it's about securing the infrastructure required for growth. So it's coherent and it's part of a wider public transport policy. So we're working very closely with the mayor and TfL on that. My fourth one is about sport and recreation. And as a rower and a a walker and cyclist on the towpath, this one too is um, uh, close to my heart. Um, Our goal here is about getting greater participation on the water and alongside it. The Tidal Thames is already home to at least 100 sport and recreation clubs along the Thames. And you can row, paddle, canoe, stand up paddleboard, windsurf or take your cruise. Or There's an enormous amount to do. And if you're young, there's scout groups and sea cadet units as well. This, this is... Oh, go back. Um, that, that photo is of Fulham Reach, which I talked about earlier. That's a new club. It opened two years ago as part of a development uh, under Section 106. Developer provided a rowing club. During the day, it's available for local school children to learn how to row and is really well used. And then in the evenings and weekends, it's used for private members. So a really good example of, of what, what you can achieve with some um, innovative thinking. In just two years, 900 children have been on the water with this club. And the plan is over the next five years, that will be up to 3,000 3, a year of local children accessing the water and at the moment, there's no playing field nearby. They have to be bused to a playing field. This, this way they can walk to the river. Well, I'm sure many of you know, every year the Thames plays host to more than 80 major sporting events, such as the University Boat Race, the Race for Doggett's Coat and Badge, which has run every year since 1715, and also the Great River Race. The Thames Path running alongside is a great place for walking and cycling in the heart of London. And if you think of how many millions of people live, live so close to that, there's at least 10 million walkers or cyclists on the, on the towpath each year. And a conservative estimate using Department of Health um, ways of assessing these things, it's worth at least 132 million a year in terms of health and well-being. But I think more people could use it more. And, that, and that's what we're, we're doing. We're working with Sport England and London Sports. Um, many of you might be aware Sport England have changed their strategic approach and now they're looking for everyone to be active. And London Sport has set a target to get 1 million Londoners more active by 2020. We're working really closely with them because it makes sense to include the blue space as well as the green space to, to get people active and fit. So how are we going to get more um, participation in sport and recreation? Well, firstly, it's making sure we keep what we've already got. There's enormous pressure. You can imagine that the cost of land by the river is really high. So there's enormous pressure to keep the clubs as clubs rather than housing. There's something about enabling it, it, making it much easier to go and do sport and recreation. So it's really easy to buy a cinema ticket, press a button, we'd like to be able to do something as, as simple for sport and recreation on the river as well. It's about building more capacity with new housing developments, such as the Fulham Reach one I was talking about. And it's also about joining at the Thames Path, so you can walk from source to sea. 
And then his iconic nature will bring more people, but also the signage that comes that means that more, pe more local people will be able to use it. At the moment, um, and if you're a member of a club, I encourage you to fill it in, we are running a survey with Sport England and London Sports to get all clubs to let us know who their members are, how well the clubs are used, and what are the barriers and opportunities for more participation in sport and recreation along the whole length of the river. So the deadline's, we've got two weeks to go on the survey, so if, you, if you're a member of a club or you know anyone, please, please do let us know, because it's a really good baseline from which to... Um, take forward this work. Okay, move, moving on now to um, environment and heritage. Our goal simply is an improved tidal Thames environment. The Thames is home to nine sites of special scientific interest and a wealth of other environmental denominations. Um, and there are 125 fish species um, feeding on the abundant vertebrates over 900 seals, including the one that Professor O'Connell saw, um, and visits from 300,000 overwintering birds every year. And I'm going to trump you with your seal because I went out in one of my, um, with the launch the other day and I saw a porpoise um, near um, Richmond, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, so, um, but, so that's fantastic. But, but there, is, I mean, there is a major problem which, which that bottom right picture shows, which is that every year we take out... We take out, so I'm sure this isn't all of it, 300 tonnes of rubbish from the Thames every year, and predominantly that is plastic. Um, a, a research study by the Royal Holloway University of London, the Natural History Museum, found that 70% of the um, bottom-feeding fish in the Thames had plastic in their stomachs. So there's a real challenge here. We have great volunteers who go out with Thames 21 and t pick up the litter off the foreshore, but actually there's something we all need to do about making sure it doesn't get in, get in the river in the first place. So that, that is very much one of our targets. Um, and, then, and then there's, um, because this is environment and our heritage, there's a fantastic picture there of pageantry because the river is very much part of our heritage. Um, you know, half a million years of history, settlements have risen and fallen by the Thames and the enormous traces of archaeology and um, processions and using the river for that. And, and that's very much part of the vision going forward. So how, how are we uh, going to get an improved tidal Thames environment? Well, in a nutshell, the Thames Tideway Tunnel will help enormously because the water will be much higher quality. Um, and, there, and with that will come greater biodiversity. And we're working with uh, many wildlife organisations, such as the RSPB and the Wildlife Trusts. Um, but, but as I said, one of the real challenges is that get it, getting it, we don't want the clean water full of plastic and litter, so that is a, that is a real challenge and, and um, the focus of a campaign we're, lead, we're leading this year. The final point on that, which that picture illustrates, is um, we're also working with Historic England um, and MOLA to um, enhance the appreciation and understanding of the historic and the heritage value of the river. My final one then is um, community and culture. And there's quite a simple goal here, which is to get more people coming to enjoy the Thames and its banks. Culturally, the Thames is part of what makes London, London, celebrated in poetry, prose, art and music. And as we've cleaned up the river and the perception and the reality has changed about it, it being a dead river to a vibrant living river, so more and more people are coming. The... Well, as I said, the Thames is inseparable from the cultural heritage and the art landscape of London. Um, it's been used for food, transport, ceremonial, deposition and for burial. 
and 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 Canaletti's London, the Thames, Lord, Lord Mayor's Day, which I've got um, the bottom right, which I, I saw at the weekend, um, is is a really good illustration of that. There's four World Heritage sites on the River Thames. Um, I won't test you to get them all right, but um, we are the only river in the world that has four UNESCO World Heritage sites. Um, we've got some 4.7 million people visiting the Thames annually and on top of that we have of course many national and regional events including um well obviously very recently a river tribute as part of the queen's 90th birthday celebrations with the royal barge leading a 445 strong flotilla and we've got festivals as well such as totally thames festival held every september celebrating arts culture and river events and at, and at the time we had that spectacular um event uh, celebrating the Great Fire of London with, with part of that um, on the river. And I know that the Museum of London was very much involved in that. We've got the Museum of London in Docklands, opened in 2003, and they have more than a quarter of a million visitors. And we've also got, although I haven't got a picture, we've got um, River as, as actually a home for many people. You know, residential moorings, we've got 24 sites along the River Thames. Most are in, are in West London, um, and they add to the vibrancy of the Thames and meet the desire of people to live by the river. So in terms of encouraging more people to enjoy the Thames and its banks, um, a growth in London's population, forecast showing increased numbers of tourists come to London. So a lot of potential to bring more visitors to enjoy the Thames further boost its attraction and its economic impact. And particularly for London, moving away from that hot spot in the centre to the east um, and, and so that those communities can, can benefit from that influx. So our, how we're achieving that is by providing more information of what's on offer. Um, we're, doing, we're starting with an app for recreational users, but we're looking at how we can make a, an interactive website so that people can easily see from a river viewpoint rather than a land viewpoint what, what's available. There's an emphasis too, and already quite a lot goes on, but in a sort of ad hoc way to educate local children about the Thames. So we're doing a lot with um, quite a lot of other providers about using arts, the environment and careers education to help children learn about the Thames. And then finally, um, we're looking about how to generate greater interest through, as I said, that feeling part of the Thames rather than individual communities along the Thames and thinking about how best to do that. My penultimate slide is a snapshot of the shared vision I was talking about because obviously what I've been talking about is not just the Port of London Authority. It's a whole wealth of organisations and people who care about the Thames. Um, a real breadth and a real breadth of organisations who, who are both involved but also is essential to, to make all of this happen. As I said, the first of its kind and the first time we've ever looked at the Thames as a, as a whole rather than as in each of these organisations' individual um, viewpoints. So to, to finish off, um, the tidal Thames sits at the centre of a globally iconic city and wider region and we've got projected demand for housing jobs unprecedented. The river contributes essentials of life and has the potential to contribute significantly to the livability of the communities along the Thames through sport and recreation, amenity, and, and bringing those goods in by river rather than road. 
So uh, the Thames vision through the six goals we've set sees the river at the heart of new sustainable communities looking towards the river rather than away. And it's looking about the working River Thames being back at the heart of the city it runs through. So I hope, hope I am persuading you that the head over the port and the Thames is in the future, not in the past. I thought I might end, um, and I've slightly tweaked it, but um, I like this quote, which is Hudson Keeley, who was the first PLA chairman, and his inaugural address um, opening the PLA uh, more than 100 um, years ago. He said the benefit will not be, well, I've put just, because I, I think it's relevant today, just for the Londoner today and tomorrow, but we shall have laid the foundations for enduring prosperity that will extend far into and enrich the future. For more information, please go to www.gresham.ac.uk.